Welcome to Stream Police, the podcast where we tell you what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly on Netflix. Joining me, as always, is Mr. Michael Seventy. How are you doing, Michael? Doing pretty good. And this week, we also have a special guest. He's a mildly pleased contributor, comedic mastermind, and overall solid dude, Mr. Colin Westman. How are you doing, Colin? Hey, good. That's good to hear. Now, good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not unhappy to be here. Yeah, okay, anyways. Now, last episode was a little while ago. It was our Halloween episode where Michael and I talked about our favorite underrated Twilight Zone episodes. You can find that one on iTunes or on MildlyPeace.com. But now Halloween has passed. We've gotten all the heebie-jeebies out, hopefully. Uh, heebie-jeebies are one of those things you never really get rid of, but I think we're good. <laughs> it would be. But we're going to try our best to move on. And at the end of our last episode, we were given three choices by the almighty power of the Netflix randomizer. And our winner is... The Fantastic Voyage. Uh, a film I think many are at least aware of due to its classic sci-fi premise. Now, Colin, I'd like to ask you, what about The Fantastic Voyage made you want to join us on this episode? Um, well, I th- I've been wanting to come on Stream Police for a while, since I I enjoy this podcast. I listen to every episode. And I guess my prerequisite for coming on the podcast was just, like, if there was a movie I wanted to talk about. And this one seemed pretty good because it was actually in my Netflix queue. So I don't don't know if I really ever meant to get around to watching it. It was just one of those movies that's, like, it's got such a ridiculous premise that... I don't know. It's kind of like... The Lord of the Rings in that it's one of those premises that people wanted to do forever. Mm-hmm. And it was good that they waited so long to like the 2000s to do Lord of the Rings when like they actually had technology that would facilitate it. But Fantastic right. Voyage, they're just like, fuck it, let's do it. It's 1966. <laughs> we do not have good enough effects to create the inside of a human body, but let's just, let's just do it anyways. Exactly, and I, I definitely look forward to getting into that. Uh, before we do that, I thought it might be fun to talk about what's been playing in theaters. Now, I know personally, um, until maybe the last few weeks, I'd felt 2014 had been kind of disappointing for movies. Um, there wasn't a lot I'd seen that I'd really consider you know, for my end-of-the-year top ten. But then somehow, about the last two or three movies I've seen, I, I really enjoyed. Now, I know I'm not alone, probably. In witnessing some great movies in the last few weeks, uh, what about what about you, Michael? Have you seen anything good lately? Yeah, actually, um, in fact, just uh, yesterday I saw probably my favorite movie of the year so far. In fact, um, that'd be Listen Up, Philip. All right, hold that thought. That's really funny for me because me and Colin went to Whiplash recently, and uh, I, we were like running late, and I kept saying like. We're going to miss the trailer to listen up Philip, as if that'd be the kind of movie that has the trailer to it. It just seemed right. Well, you know, so. all the listen up Philip fans just went to see Whiplash and then left after the trailer started, just like. <laughs> yeah. So so tell us about it. I don't really know anything about okay. it. Okay. Um, well, it's uh, a movie by a guy named Alex Ross Perry, who did uh, The Color Wheel, which I still haven't seen, but it got some good reviews. And it stars uh, Jason Schwartzman, Elizabeth Moss, and uh, Jonathan Price. And basically, Jason Schwartzman is this uh, young, kind of hotshot uh, author of the uh, cut from the same mold as your, your Franzens and your Eggers, and a very self-absorbed, narcissistic guy. Um, Elizabeth Moss is his uh, long-supportive, but you know, kind of uh, very mistreated uh, girlfriend who's a photographer. And, uh, commercial photographer, and then Jack Price is basically this kind of uh, very successful elderly uh, author who has this kind of uh, amazing reputation in the New York literati you know, circles and uh, literary circles, and is um, uh, serves almost as a, a mentor to Jason Schwartzman's character, and. Uh, that's about as much as I can say without kind of getting into the movie, it's the plot itself and, and all that. But I, I'll just say that it's the funniest movie I've seen this year by far. And it's just like this really um, great portrait of just uh, like 
pathological narcissism. Uh, and it's shot on 16 millimeter film, and like it looks really beautiful. It, like it looks um, kind of like <laughs> the book covers that they show in the movie. It, when, when you see the movie, it only makes sense, I guess. Uh, what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And uh, is it yeah. in black and white? No, or is it color 16 millimeter? It's color. It's color. Okay. Yeah, and it's um, I I, I guess. I'm trying to like think of who to compare it to, but it's kind of like um, at certain times it reminded me of like a Whit Stillman movie, and it's other times it kind of reminded me of like a Noah Baumbach movie, but maybe with some like more misanthropic. <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 very it's dark comedy, but it, it's very funny and um, yeah, and, and great performances. I I, don't know, I was really really. Um, surprised by how much I liked it because I went in like kind of knowing very little about it and it and it's so far I'd say it's my favorite of the year yeah wow uh, I did see the trailer to that um, not at Whiplash unfortunately <laughs> but I did watch the trailer recently late. and and I was very impressed by the visual style to think anyone could would do that and like have the balls to do that in this day and age I'm sure it's not that cheap to do that I, I mean I don't know yeah. I, I assume but I, I don't it. know and um, I'm I like I like Jason Schwartzman. I just caught him on an episode of uh, Tim and Eric's Bedtime Stories. Have you guys ever seen that show? Mm-mm. It's 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 kind of like Twilight Zoney, where it's kind of like comedy horror themed episodes. And Jason Schwartzman was in an episode where he signs his contract to be in commercials while he's in his sleep. <laughs> and but then it ends up they like. He, like he thinks they're only gonna be seen in Japan, like these pictures they take of him. But then he, there's this big like billboard of him on Hollywood Boulevard of him like modeling a watch, but they put Photoshop eyes over him, and it looks really, really bad, and it destroys his life. Um, and he's great in that. Um, it looks like he's playing more of kind of a douche <laughs> in this. Is that is that about right? Or oh yeah, it, it could be called like you know portrait of the douche as a young man. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, it is. It's to- and uh, fortunately, like the movie is about that. It's not just like a movie where the main character is a douche and it expects you to just kind of love him. You know, it's uh, uh yeah. I-, I was really really into this, and uh, I think he played douchiness uh, really really well. Right. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, Colin and I saw Whiplash, and I think right now that might be my favorite movie of the year. Colin, I'd like to ask you: Is it so far your favorite movie of the year? Um, and is it as good as John Wick? <laughs> mm, uh, not quite to the first question. And okay. yes, definitely. And how did you find out I saw John Wick? <laughs> I didn't know you saw John Wick. I oh, just assumed you did it. Or I would at least know if All right, uh, okay, Flash was better. <laughs> no, I saw a lot of movies this weekend. I saw a movie three nights in a row. Jeez. I saw Whiplash that night with you, and then the next night I saw Interstellar, mm-hmm. and then um, the night after that saw John Wick. <laughs> so okay, interesting. It was, it was a steep incline as the nights <laughs> went on. Okay, um, maybe I should just what? talk about John Wick more. Yeah. Uh, okay. Go, I already go for wrote it. about Whiplash. You could yeah. read about it on MollyPlease.com. Um, Certainly. John Wick is a movie I didn't even know anything about and had no expectations going into it, but our friend Sean really wanted to see it for some reason. I guess he just likes the idea of, I don't know, just really economical action movies. Yeah. And uh, that's pretty much what it was, but like not in a way that was fun or... (laughs) Like, it didn't really put any new spin on the action movie. It just went through beat by beat. And I was just like, yeah, I've, I've seen an action movie before. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for reminding me, John Wick. And it's well, like... Why do you... Yeah, okay. I think it's All just because, right. like, he kills a shitload of people. <laughs> and none of them are in really creative ways. He's just like, just, just shooting guns and they all hit their targets. Just dead guys dropping all over the place um there's kind of a fun part where there's like this hotel in new york where they're just like criminal hitmen just hang out and uh uh, what's that guy from the wire the 
skinny, tall, black guy. Oh, Keanu Reeves? Lance Reddick? Lance Reddick, not Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah, he's there. He's he's having a good time with his part. But uh, who else was in this? Willem Dafoe's in it a little bit, but uh, like you think throughout the whole movie that Willem Dafoe and Keanu Reeves are gonna team up to like totally take down this uh, Russian crime boss, but then they don't really. Like Willem Dafoe, ah, <laughs> like shoots a pillow at one point. And that's about it. It's a pillow that looks like Keanu Reeves? Well, it was a pillow that was next to Keanu Reeves because he was trying to kill Keanu Reeves. Yeah. He switched his side. I can see the confusion. I think Keanu Reeves kind of looks like a pillow. Mm-hmm. Not a very comfortable pillow, but a pillow <laughs> really nonetheless. sad pillow. Yeah. It's still got some mileage in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's, he's given it all he's got in this movie, which... Still isn't that much, but at least he's trying. I mean, I noticed it got pretty good reviews. Why do you think that is? Because it's not offensively terrible. It's just like a <laughs> super solid action movie. Like, if you're just wanting to see a bunch of guys get shot a bunch for like two hours, I guess you could do worse. Is that all it takes for an action movie to be good? As long as it's not offensively bad, you should just yeah, check it out? Yeah, it doesn't like take any like really questionable plot detours. It mainly just sticks to the to the action crime story that's going on. Right. Okay. Yeah. Did Sean like it? Nah, Sean seemed a little disappointed by it, too. <laughs> I felt really bummed, because... I feel like the reason Sean was excited for it was because, hey, these kind of movies aren't usually supposed to be good, but an action movie that's supposed to be good, you know, just like how Sean likes the Fast and the Furious movies, because they look like they should be really bad, but some of them get good reviews. I mean, they are bad, but in like a <laughs> kind of good way. In, in a kind of good way. Like, yeah, you can enjoy how how dumb everything is, but John Wick it didn't go dumb enough. It's just super serious. <laughs> It's not even like, f- not funny at all. Yeah, there's, well, uh, there was maybe like one or two lines that were kind of funny, but okay, for the most part, it's all it's all business mm. with John Wick. All right, I guess I'll have to check that out um, illegally uh, on my computer. Uh, some guy probably filming the screen with his camera. I'll watch what I'll watch that version of John Wick. Um, you know, I actually haven't seen Interstellar yet. Was uh. that good? Yeah. It was. Yeah, I liked it. Cause I was wondering, I was wondering, like, if, I mean, I don't really know what to think. I mean, obviously, I haven't seen it yet, but I saw the reviews. It had like low seventies on Rotten Tomatoes. But then Paul, my brother, is like, it's the best thought out movie since two thousand one. It's the greatest theatrical experience of all time. So like, I don't really know. Like, is it great? Is it just good? Like, where is it compared to Christopher Nolan's other films in your mind? Um, it's good. <laughs> I haven't seen uh, a lot of his movies in a while, mm-hmm. or at least ones that aren't Batman movies. That's kind of the weird thing about him is, like, you can draw a lot of parallels between his movies. Like, a lot of them have stuff in common. It's just you have to overlook all the Batman movies because you know he didn't really write any of the characters or anything but I liked it I mean I just like I like but am not in love with Chris Nolan just because he's a guy who's just going for it he's trying to make something epic and spectacular and yeah there may be some plot holes or he gets too caught up in sort of the mechanics of the story he's trying to tell but it's uh you know, it's impressive. Yeah, I'll give well, it I that. Look forward, I look forward to checking out because I'm not sure because you know I see people on the internet and they're just like they just want to like suck his dick all the time <laughs> and they just like are obsessed with Christopher Nolan. He's like the greatest filmmaker of basically any generation. So it's really hard to like tell <laughs> like if I can trust these people who are talking like idiots. You know, by which I mean a lot of people I know on Facebook. Like I. I I, I feel like they're just getting ready to love it before they even see it. Mm-hmm. So I never really know what to expect now going into a Christopher Nolan movie. But and it sounds like I'll probably like it okay. But I'm, I don't know. Oh. I don't know. Love, that's a big word. 
That's a tough word. It's like, I feel like I'm judging. I haven't even seen it yet. Uh, I don't know. We'll I mean, see. You, you, you liked Inception, right? Yeah, I liked yeah, Inception. I, I own it on Blu-ray and DVD sure. two-pack. I, mean, I enjoyed Interstellar in the same way, kind of, that I enjoyed More or less, Inception. though, than Inception. Um, that's tough. Maybe a little less. Just because mm-hmm. Interstellar is so goddamn long and... It kind of get takes a while to get going. I feel like Inception. Is it confusing? Um, not in the same way as Inception. But I mean, with like, like sci-fi jargon. It, it yeah, it kind of is in that way, in that they're explaining things that you just kind of have to be like, well, I don't understand any of this. I'll just assume that what they're saying is true, even though probably isn't i mean i know neil degrasse tyson has already gone off on this movie but he's not like super pissed about it he's just kind of like you know what the fuck did neil degrasse tyson have to say about john wick (laughs) he's like you can't shoot that many people and get away with it what does he know so are you saying that interstellar would have been better had it starred neil degrasse tyson uh I guess, but I I just picture him addressing the camera like the whole time. <laughs> and I don't know. Not what, doing any action I, I don't, stuff. You don't think he's ready? Like to just like invest in this character? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he's ready to make the transition to Hollywood right. leading man. <laughs> this is a strange conversation. Maybe not. But could Neil deGrasse Tyson Started the fantastic voyage. <laughs> so let's submerge ourselves and get the blood pumping in our discussion of the fantastic voyage. You are listening to the sound of a completely new screen experience, a startling new kind of excitement. As 20th Century Fox plunges you into the most incredible adventure that man could ever achieve. make a motion picture that crosses a new frontier may seem impossible today. Outer space, the depths of the sea, the bowels of the earth, the past, the future, all have been subjects for the camera. But now, a film called Fantastic Voyage has broken through in an unexpected direction to create an adventure of astonishing suspense and beauty. One of the miracles of the universe. Its vital new story sweeps down from the sky. Then it drops the bottom out of the world you know and understand. As a beleaguered nation desperate for survival launches a journey you can never erase from your memory. We need you for security. Fantastic purposes. Voyage. Uh, I think my brother Paul uh, best described the plot of Fantastic Voyage um, when he told me last security week that the Fantastic Voyage is basically every again. episode of the Magic School Bus. <laughs> Which. Which is true to the extent that it is a premise that has been parodied many times in cartoon shows, but uh, it's also very light and a quick-paced adventure film. Now, if you don't already know, The Fantastic Voyage is about a renowned scientist who has been working in Europe to perfect a technology that will miniaturize people or items or whatever indefinitely. I guess this is, like, a really big deal. Like, people really want this for, like, was it for military things does anyone remember the applications i feel like they don't go into too much detail with it okay you just but gotta it's assume a big, it's a big deal i guess it's a big deal because the soviets want it too yeah. and they don't want you know they don't want america to get the one up in this miniaturization <laughs> race uh so i think they don't go into detail because it would explain how stupid this is <laughs> right right um, but basically, the reason this guy is important is because he, like I said, he knows how to do it like so indefinitely. Like where, whereas, as it stands right now, people can only do it for a very short burst of time. So the Soviets, they don't want the U.S. to get the one up. They uh, try to assassinate this um, scientist, and that leaves him in a coma with a blood clot. What happens next is an organization known as the CMDF or Combined Miniature Deterrent Forces. Uh, which I pray is a real thing. <laughs> um, they put together a team of doctors, including Donald Pleasance, Arthur Kennedy, Raquel Welch, 
a military communications expert played by Stephen Boyd and some generic pilot guy or something who I didn't know was going to tag along until right before they went in. Uh, I think you can guess what happens from, from there. Uh, so I'm just going to jump ahead and and I'll ask you, Colin, mm-hmm. what were your impressions of uh, Fantastic Voyage at this point? We got the setup. We got some things going in motion. How are you feeling about it? I'm feeling pretty good just because of, like, the layout of that, like, underground bunker they had. Because it looks a lot like <laughs> Dr. Evil's lair in the first Austin Powers movie. Like, I kind of got to think that maybe they took inspiration from <laughs> this movie when they decided how to how to do that set decoration. I mean, yeah, it definitely has, like, that weird retro like, charm. Yeah, like, very 60s industrial or whatever you want to call it um okay now we're told pretty early on that this um this miniaturization process that's a really hard word to say miniaturization that's going to kill me during this whole thing can mm-hmm. only be shrunken for about uh can only shrink things for about 60 minutes if i recall yeah. does that time sound about right yeah, it's meaning very the, convenient for the length of a movie <laughs> meaning the mission can last no longer than that um, but right off the bat, I feel like you get your, you introduce your cast, you get them all together, you get them in a ship, and then they do this, go through this shrinking sequence that I don't know if it was just me, but it felt like it lasted forever, uh, trying to set that up. Did anyone else get that feeling? Michael, did you get that feeling at all? Yeah, you know, it's definitely, in fact, I would say, honestly, the entire opening of the movie is, is pretty, uh, slow paced. It's, it's a definite slow burn, um, very restrained, uh opening to this kind of movie i would say but um but up till the point uh in fact one of the things that i think makes that so so is that there's uh, up until the point where they enter the body uh there's no score the music in the film only starts is only heard when they go inside so yeah they're <laughs> you know there's i didn't uh, even notice that yeah well, I mean, Interesting. yeah like i which i i you know not knocking that because i dug that because i thought that was mm-hmm. like a you know, now now we're in a movie. <laughs> you know, like now we're inside the human body as tiny people. So there's going to be a big score. We, we got all the we got all the wordy shit out of the way. Let's let's get the hell in there. Okay, so they shrink down. Uh, they get in that body, uh, and then we got we got the effects. How do they look, Colin? I mean, I wasn't aware that the inside of a person just like looks like a giant lava lamp <laughs> a lava lamp in outer space all right yeah i mean it looks like a lava lamp or space or something um do you think those sequences make the film look good or or give it a kind of an old school charm michael where do you weigh in on the effects i dig them i dig the old uh kind of i don't know just the old school optical effects you know it, it's uh I think as the movie goes on, uh, when it kind of gets like trippy, like with a capital T, <laughs> you know, kind of maybe a, they they might be capitalizing on some things the nineteen ninety the nineteen sixty six filmmakers of this <laughs> movie, um, but you know, eventually it gets to the point where it's just like a very uh, pretty, maybe kind of faux psychedelic Willy Wonka tunnel sort of uh, environment. Which uh, I, I thought was really, uh, you know, caught my eyes, I guess, and uh, and you know, you can't really talk about this movie without talking about CinemaScope. <laughs> you know, it's uh, I don't know. I, I even though it's maybe kind of dated, I thought um, just on a pure visual level, I was really on board with what it was throwing down. Although I'm sure that's not exactly what the body looks like on the inside. But, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson will have to write a <laughs> I don't know if he's yeah. a, a body expert, but yeah, I'm kind of on the same page. Like, there is something weirdly charming about them just trying to sort of imagine what the human body looks with this very, uh, <laughs> very 60s looking approach to it that's sort of psychedelic and sort of just, I don't know, it's just very, very colorful. Now I'm I may be mistaken, but wasn't there like an acknowledgement at either the beginning or the end of the movie that said we'd like to thank scientists who like assisted us in, in whatever? Yeah. Okay, so I wonder like 
is this accurate? Maybe it is. How would we know? Um, so, I mean, just something to consider. Maybe, maybe this is the most accurate science fiction movie ever made. I mean, I don't know. You forgot to mention there is like that text crawl at the very beginning of the movie where they say like, you know, we live in a time where men will be walking on the moon in several years. So going inside the human body is just as easy to imagine with our current technology. And I do have to wonder, is that true? Do people actually think we'd be going into bodies in the near future? I don't I don't think it's on most people's minds. I mean, the technology, we're not at the point where we can really compare it to this movie and say, oh, this movie got it wrong. That's not how you shrink people down to go inside <laughs> yeah. Donald Pleasant. <laughs> Although, actually, it's kind of interesting. Isaac Asimov wrote the novelization for the movie. And he changed a bunch of things because he read the script and disagreed with the science of it. <laughs> so he like he like fixed like the mistakes of it and made a more realistic uh, shrinking device <laughs> and stuff. I don't know. Wow. Well, you've had, you you've heard it here. You want a more realistic version of this? Go check out the novelization. That's awesome. Okay, so they gotta stop this uh, this clot. Does anyone remember where they what part of the body they entered? I don't recall actually. Was it the nose or like? Did they start at the head, or did they have to work their way up to the head? I feel like they had to go upwards because they had to go through the heart at one point oh, and the right. lungs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do remember going through them going through the heart, and because because it was a big deal because in this movie, like, I mean, it's hard to create the suspense when you you know, it's 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 not like. The human body is just riddled with monsters or something. I mean, they do have a solution for that a little bit later, but you know they have to come up with uh, more creative uh, threats. And yeah, there is a point where like, oh, we we want to get through the blood or we want to get through the heart, but it's moving too fast. It's too dangerous. So like, like, what if we stop the heart? So they, but they only have like however many seconds, you know, to get across. So that was kind of cool. I liked them, you know, coming up with any kind of. Uh, conflicts like that because i thought for the most part i mean it was kind of tricky because it didn't seem like there's a lot that could really happen when they were actually in there um which i don't know i i did seem i did feel like there's a handful of scenes that just kind of seemed like the same old stuff but uh i mean those were always kind of saved by like the effects are just fun to to see and i love all the crappy like old school like tech in this movie like (laughs) Back with the scientists, they have that big chart with the human skeleton, and there's like a guy who just like puts a dot, like on like like it's a map on different points when they get to different parts. I mean, I also love that they had like a mission control watching the whole thing going on, like it's NASA or something. <laughs> they just need that many guys. This is this is what was it called? The Department of Miniaturization mm-hmm. or whatever. This is a big deal. They're exploring inner space. And I feel like everyone's computer kind of looked like Etch-a-Sketch. They looked really crappy. <laughs> you know, this reminds me of another thing. Uh, you know, each each crew member has their different role on the ship. And Donald Pleasance uh, plays this one. I think he was like a brain surgeon or some kind of doctor. And he at his um, certain, like, panel or area, it's all these tubes. And at first, like, for the longest time, I was like, what's he doing with all those tubes? And it took me forever to realize, oh, he's, like, taping, taking out, like, pictures, like, maps of, like, the human body and, like, examining them. It's not just, like, some weird made-up adventure that's, like, you got to press the tubes to. It's a series of tubes. I don't know. Was, was I the only person you got thrown off by the tubes? I don't even remember what you're talking about. But... Donald Pleasant's, like, console yeah. was, like, these, like, all these tubes that have, like, little like you take you you reach your hand into one of the tubes and you pull out like a map. Yeah, yeah. I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know. I just figured it was I don't know. Uh, it, yeah. it was it was interesting. It was science. Uh speaking of Donald Pleasant, let's I guess we could talk about the cast. Does anyone in this cast stand out to you guys? Uh Colin? Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> the characters seem very like there's just not going on not much going on there. Just very like stiff like serious scientist guys yeah describe the characters in this movie uh, describe them on personality traits but don't mention their jobs their titles just describe their personalities 
I mean, the general played by Edmund O'Brien seems on edge a bit. He's having troubles with his coffee intake, and he spills some on himself at one point. Some of the most like, hilarious comic relief I've ever seen in the movie. <laughs> I was, I was on the floor fucking laughing my like, ass God off. God damn it! I, I just had these pants clean. I literally threw up fucking twice just because I was laughing so hard at that. <laughs> seemed like unintentional like that's just like an ad lib that they kept in the movie he accidentally spilled his coffee cup yeah well i don't know i thought donald pleasance seemed to attempt something with his character like his character seemed kind of unhinged like kind of nervous and like socially a little off he's i think i thought he was kind of an eccentric and i always like him and that's a character type that i think he's very good at um doing and then there's for some reason there was um he had like a fear of of claustrophobia right yeah at the beginning yes so right bad choice for someone to shrink down and put in a ship inside of a human body big in the smallest possible space it doesn't get any more and then like you only have 60 minutes or things are gonna get pretty crappy uh and then of course this movie also has uh raquel welch uh sex symbol of the time she does not strip down or anything, which I found surprising, actually, you know? I mean, I guess that's probably good, because, like, I can't think of a single place where that would have been appropriate. <laughs> that would have been the most gratuitous and, like, not necessary. The jumpsuit catches on fire for some reason. Oh, no. Well, you know, like, even movies today are guilty of stuff like that. If you guys remember the last Star Trek movie when, what, Alice Eve Man. was, like, changing... <laughs> It's like the most unnecessary, like, oh, we saw her in underwear. Um, I was pretty surprised they didn't do that with Raquel Welch. Uh, they just got her on her acting ability. People had class um, in the 1960s. People had class, you know? They wore suits on airplanes. They, and they spilled their a, coffee on their suits when they were nervous. This is a classy time. Yeah. Um, I thought she was going to definitely, like, they're going to, like, tear off her clothes when they got attacked by those antibodies. Mm-hmm. I should probably get into that. So... I think that's what those were, right? Those are antibodies, those little squiggly wiggly life forms. Yeah. Because as they state, once the um, ship, you know, because it, it can only be there for 60 minutes, even though I'm pretty sure it's in there for like 90 minutes, um, it can only, it can only, you know, stand being that small for that long. And once it starts getting bigger, antibodies will start attacking it because they'll see it as a threat. So that's when we get to see these. Um, and these, I don't. They're they're like squiggly, wiggly, crappy Star Trek looking props. I don't know. They're kind of interesting. Michael, did you like the antibodies? <laughs> they, were they doing it for you? Yeah, I mean, I I, I didn't mind them. I, they I, they did their job and, and they looked cool. And uh, I, I don't know. I think if I were a little kid, I probably uh, would have been, you know, a little bit like I don't know. I guess just the terror of seeing those all over someone's body. Um, definitely done it for me. And I don't know. I, I was, I'm pro antibody. <laughs> I'm not really sure what they could do. Um, I do remember, this is a spoiler alert, jumping kind of far to the end of the movie. Unfortunately, this movie does see a, uh, a casualty when uh, one of those antibody-like things gets onto the top of the ship and Donald Pleasance is up there. And he's freaking out because, remember, he's claustrophobic. You know, you feel kind of bad for him. And then, of course, he's the only person who dies. One of the antibodies absorbs his body, and I don't know, it melts him? Let's, let's just Anybody assume. Anybody know what's going on there? It kills. We don't, we don't see his body after that, do we? Yeah, you know, that actually brings me to another question. Yeah, I, I guess... It, it probably did dissolve him because I was I was just gonna say if it didn't, does that mean his body would grow back to normal size while they're like inside the body? Well, that's that's the thing. There is a plot hole in the movie. That's one of the things that Isaac is. Uh, I don't know. I haven't read the novelization, but apparent from what I've seen online, uh, one of the things he said was wrong with the script was that you know they leave the submarine in there and they leave like one of the I don't know something. Oh, yeah. yeah. So the submarine is still in his body even as they get out. And then, um, you know, <laughs> put two and two together, he's about to, like, explode with a giant submarine filling up the, you know, so. God, you know, if only there was a David Cronenberg version of Fantastic Voyage where at the end, like, 
the submarine starts growing inside of the person. I guess that would make everything not worth it, though. So probably not the way to go on that. I'm, you know, I'll jump ahead to this. I'm kind of surprised this movie hasn't been remade. Uh, I'll ask you first, Colin. Do you think this movie should be remade? Hmm. Like, does that sound like something you'd want to see? Yeah, maybe. I I did read up a a little bit because there's been, like, extensive uh, just attempts to get this movie remade for, like, the last 20 years or something. It just hasn't happened yet. They might still be trying to do it. I don't know. I know James Cameron for a long time has tried to remake (sighs) Fantastic Voyage. Of course. He loves submarines. He's probably going to be in it. That'd be all right, I guess. (laughs) James Cameron has to go inside of Bill Paxton. Yeah. (laughs) He's his most valuable resource. It's just like every couple of years when James Cameron does a documentary where he goes to the bottom of the sea. It's just going to, it's going to be a documentary of him just going inside a human body. He's going to be the guy that figures it out before anybody else. Do you guys think if they, (laughs) if, if they remade this, would they be more likely to do it serious? Or do you think they're going to pull a land of the lost? You know, it's going to start Danny McBride. Honestly, I would hope that they, um, honestly, I, I, I was kind of hoping that this one would, would play it for laughs a bit more, uh, because I, it's pretty straight. Yeah. Uh, honestly, as, um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I think that like, uh, this is, it just didn't feel nearly as, as fun as a movie about like microscopic scientists, uh, inside of a coma patient, uh, should be, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess I can see that. Yeah, not like we're going point. down the splash mountain part. I'm not like on the edge of my seat. Yeah. <laughs> see, that's a thing. If you remade it, you could do it in uh, what's that called? D box, where the theater <laughs> rumbles. You know, yeah. and you'd make it. You'd make it star Danny McBride. Like it rumble when he burps. <laughs> you'd give it a crappy comedy cast, and you make a lot of jokes about like, oh, we're going to the penis. Yeah. So sound good. It'd basically be like Osmosis Jones. Oh, God, I guess it would be like Osmosis Jones. It was pretty inevitable that this is going to lead to Osmosis Jones at some point. <laughs> Clearly, it's the com- best companion film uh, to this. Uh, Interspace. Uh, <laughs> that's right, with Dennis Quaid. I haven't seen that in a long time. I feel like that movie's okay, but it probably isn't. Okay. <laughs> Dante? I don't know. Is it? Do you remember? I haven't seen, you it. seen it, Michael? I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it? Yeah. Uh, well, that's also a movie where someone gets shrunken. It's just one man. It's Dennis Quaid. It's all you need. Um, goes into someone's body, and I don't remember anything else about it, but it's from the 80s, and it's Joe Dante. Uh, check it out. Well, there's also uh, every cartoon ever. <laughs> yeah, every cartoon. So what are some of the Fantastic Voyages, uh, Voyage homages or parodies? Is there... Uh... There's Magic School Bus. I'm sure did it like at least twenty times. I mean, I'm looking at the Fantastic Voyage Wikipedia right now. There's a big long uh-huh. list of them. <laughs> Is there any? Uh, what are some of the ones on there? I'd be curious to know. Um. Well. Any anything interesting? I definitely remember Rugrats. Let's see if I can find Rugrats. Looks like Dexter's Laboratory did it. Uh. Town <laughs> Chicken. The the mask. The animated series did it. <laughs> Of course, timely. Uh, um, yeah, like uh, Tiny Toon and his adventures. I'm sure. I'm trying to look for one that like stands out. Like, oh, do you you read that episode of Monk where they went inside uh, someone? But I I'm not seeing that one. Nothing. No Monk. <laughs> not his. Not his kind of thing. Yeah, there's really freaky invaders in where they uh, inside this body. Yeah, that's listed here. Also, apparently James Cameron uh, went to go work on Avatar, and that's basically the reason he didn't do Fantastic Voyage. Uh And then he handed it off to Paul Greengrass at some point, but then uh, Greengrass dropped out, and the the latest it was in the hands of Sean Levy of (laughs) Night at the Museum fame. Oh no! It sounds like it's going in the direction that I I assumed it could. I, yeah, you know, with like except probably Ben Stiller. 
right? right. I feel like Sean Levy yeah. might be our generation's like most <laughs> underwhelming director. That's a big claim. I don't know. He did do Real Steel, right? Yeah. Okay, maybe underwhelming's not the right <laughs> word. Just like so mediocre. He kind of seems like a really bad Chris Columbus. <laughs> I thought Chris Columbus was the really bad Chris Columbus. Yeah. I... <laughs> not, not, not vintage Chris Columbus. I think he's kind of on the same level. but Now he's on the same there's, level. There's, a lot, there's peaks and valleys mm-hmm. there. He directs a lot of movies. <laughs> he gets a, a lot of work because it doesn't matter if the work is good to him. Sure. But back to Fantastic Voyage. It was directed by Richard Fleischer, I noticed. And he also did Soylent Green, right? Yep, that's right. Yeah, that's one of my favorite uh, sci-fi movies of that of that era. So, uh, And he, I see he did 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. He's all about adventure. But yeah, I mean, I guess it is. I, I I guess it is kind of a downfall that this movie. I mean, I had a pretty good time, but I I do feel like there's a part in the middle of this movie where it's just kind of them talking, and it's a bunch of science stuff. And I know like none of this makes sense. So why are you even having it? Like, unless it's going to be like a hundred percent accurate, why why give us all that jargon? I think it was just because maybe they weren't creative enough to come up with enough threats. Mm-hmm. So they just like wrote in the most BS techno babble of all time. I mean, I, I don't I don't know about you guys, but I remember stopping the heart, fighting the antibodies, uh, and the ship falling apart. I remember something about a gun. Didn't someone have like a yeah, gun? Yeah, it was like a big laser beam gun. Whatever the hell that was, <laughs> I guess they were prepared for anything. I don't really remember anything else that happened in it was there. It's part where it's they not- go through the lung, and it's like super windy. Yeah, that, that's like, that, oh, that's gotta be true because right? it's full of air. That's like body wind. But I mean, this movie's like a hundred minutes long. I mean, maybe it'd, if it had been eighty, it'd feel a lot tighter. But like by the middle, or at least maybe back half of the movie, I felt like I was seeing scenes that I'd kind of already seen earlier. Like, I guess there's only so much in there. You know, if only they'd gotten to a body that had more like wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Like maybe if there is a body with cancer and there'd be like a cancer monster in there. <laughs> you know, I guess that was the thing. I was I, I kind of wanted more monsters, even though <laughs> I mean it's a human body. That doesn't make any sense. But like I was saying, I, I feel like if you're not going to be 100% scientifically accurate, who gives shit, right? Yeah, I know. That's exactly how I feel. I think, I think if you're going to do this premise in the first place, you know, why are we being so you know, dour about it. are conservative, yeah. yeah. And I think that even though I kind of do respect the restraint and stuff, like, I liked that the music did, there was no music until they got in, and I liked, you know, how it was just kind of like a, a tension-building thing. Like, I feel like at, at that point it should have just exploded into crazy, you know, I don't know, maybe at the time the, those optical effects were so spectacular that they felt they could just kind of lean on that, and they didn't, but I don't know. I, I think there should have definitely been more adventure to it, more fun to it. You know what I think really could have picked this movie up, too, is a better lead, you know? Can, like, <laughs> can you imagine if this starred Charlton Heston? <laughs> oh, wow. No, we're going through the hot. They'll have to stop it. He's got a good cigar. <laughs> I do like that there's that one scene early on where they're just like talking about scientific body stuff and like they immediately, everybody starts whipping out cigars and smoking them. Like, yeah, yeah. It's a boy. Different time. <laughs> just more more of that kind of stuff. Like, you know, this is a movie that I'm pretty sure mostly was, you know, kids wanted to see this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yet, had I seen this at a, as a kid, I probably would have thought it was fine, but I probably would have been kind of bored, too. You know, you, you got to know your audience. I'm not sure they know their audience on this movie. They have a kid-like premise, but tackled, like, fairly seriously, which, I don't know, kind of leaves it in the middle. So, I guess this comes down to the point of, uh, would you guys recommend this movie, or, you know, did you enjoy it? Uh, Colin, how you feel about Fantastic Voyage? Was it worth the trip? Yeah, I think so. It's just like there, there, there aren't many movies that look like this or that are attempting to do what this movie is doing. And even if it fails on some levels, it's it's just it's an interesting movie to see just because it's so weird. And Michael? 
you know, I was kind of on the fence, but um, just talking about it, I would say I can't recommend it just because, you know, it, it, it doesn't really go, uh, at, it, it, it really should just let its hair down, I guess. It, you know, there, should, there should have been more fun to be had when you're inside a Soviet dude's body. <laughs> you can quote me on that. <laughs> and I think, I think I'm going to go with a recommend. Um, I think it, yeah, it, it does lag like for, pro- uh, for probably most of the movie, <laughs> but I think the setup is pretty good. I like the effects and I mean, I like the premise. Uh, yeah, I wish they'd done more with it, but I mean, I, I didn't think it was like bad, really. I didn't think it was like cheesy bad. I mean, there's probably some cheesy stuff in there, but I've seen plenty of like, uh, B movie sci fi flicks that are just terrible in like every aspect. And I feel like Fantastic Voyage hits enough right notes. Um, it hits plenty of wrong notes too, but it hits a, enough right ones for me to be like, okay, this is kind of fun. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'd say I like it. You know, something I almost forgot to mention I do remember one attempt at humor in this movie. I mean, aside from the classic coffee scene. <laughs> Uh, it was it was really bad though. It's um, early on Raquel Welch and Stephen Boyd are having a conversation, and it's very like sexual innuendo, like back and forth, and it's really bad. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was kind of funny for how like kind of mildly offensive it was. You know, it's a different time. It was the '60s. You know, people were wearing suits on planes, smoking cigars after every small review. Smoking cigars. So you know. If you, if you like what you heard, maybe you should sit down with a cigar and a cup of coffee and, and you can check out Fantastic Voyage and you can tell tell us what you think on, uh, on Mildly Please through comments. Uh, you know, see if, see if it's worth your while. It's on Netflix. And speaking of Netflix, uh, that leads us to the point in our show where we go to the Netflix Randomizer. Now, the Netflix Randomizer is an app that randomly goes through films on Netflix and we're given three and we have to choose one and that's what leads us to our next episode. So Colin, you're our guest of honor. Do you have the uh, the app on hand? I have it open as we speak. Okay, awesome. If you're ready to go, then let's check out our first choice. Your first choice is Black Sunday. It's a Mario Bava movie. I don't know if, John, you've seen this before. Black Sunday, yeah, I I think I reviewed it um, for Shocktober once, but I, I think it was one of those reviews where I probably watched like half of it and then just like scanned the Wikipedia. It's not that long, <laughs> the eighty-seven minutes, but it's Shocktober. Sometimes you just gotta get it done. But yeah, that's I know a lot of people consider that a classic. So am I supposed to read the plot of these? Uh, yeah. Why don't you read? All the right, plot Black Sunday. Uh, two centuries after her execution, condemned witch princess Asa returns from the dead to wreak vengeance on her killer's family by possessing the body of a descendant who looks just like her. All right. Does that check out for the half that you saw? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Condemned witch princess. That's the name of my my dream project band. Okay. All right, how about let's yeah, let's check out option number two. Okay. Uh, uh, you guys don't count documentaries, do you? You can tell us what it it's, is. Uh, it's a 30 for 30. Uh, no crossover. The Trial of Alan Iverson, which I have actually seen. Oh. It's directed by Steve James. It's pretty good. Steve James. Yeah. Okay. So option number 2.5. <laughs> Yeah, action number... Action. Option number 2.5 is Killers 3 from 1968. Directed by Bruce Kessler, starring... A... What? (laughs) This movie has Dick Clark and Merle Haggard in it. I love this movie. (laughs) Plot description is America's DJ Dick Clark... And Robert Walker Jr. star as two country boys who decide to rob a pile of cash from a bootlegger assisted by the man's restless wife, Diane Varsi. 
But the heist doesn't go as planned and takes a tragic turn. The trio of would-be thieves then takes off for California, but with the police already on their tail, it's clear that a trail of blood and death is going to follow them all the way there. A trail of blood and death always follows Dick Clark because baby died. <laughs> I like, did you say rob a pile of money? Let's see. Isn't that one part Yes, they decide to rob a pile of cash from a bootlegger. I love to think that it's just a pile of they don't cash even have a bag them. for it. <laughs> Are there bumpkins? Yeah. Did it say that Dick Clark was like a kind of like a good old boy? Yeah. Sort of? That's kind of weird. It stars two country boys. Dick Clark is one of them. <laughs> Not exactly who I consider to be a country boy. Um, but that sounds bizarre. I... I'm looking at the poster where it says it started out as a country picnic, mm-hmm. but before it was over, 37 men were dead. <laughs> I kind of want to hear you guys talk about this movie. That's the uh, that's the fun of Stream Police. Uh, you can check us out on iTunes by searching Mildly Please. You can also go to mildlypleased.com. I think we have a Tumblr or something somewhere, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm going to be better about that. Working on a probably get a live journal up and an Etsy and uh, you know Colin, thanks for joining us. It was a pleasure. It, it was a pleasure. All right, uh, Michael. Any last words? Hey everybody, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>